this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag For Paris podcast. It's wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. You know, from the very earliest of ages, we always want to understand. We, we want to know why. I mean, I mean, think of little kids. Uh, maybe you're there right now, but I'm pretty sure the very first or at least the most frequent question that children ask is why. They, they want to understand. And at times it can be cute, at times it can be educational, but at times it can be a little bit frustrating as a parent when your child is continually asking why. Like, why do I have to eat my vegetables? Why can't I eat dessert first? Why do I have to go to bed? Why do I have to take a bath? And there's times as a parent, you're like, will you just do what I'm asking you to do? But as you start to step back, you realize that in many ways, we have been wired by God to ask the question, why? We want to understand. And as an adult, we don't grow out of this. We actually just simply become more sophisticated. And in some case, you might even become a little bit more stubborn than the five-year-old asking the why. That you may not stomp your feet, but you're not going to go into action until you're told exactly why you need to do it or why this has happened. What about when it comes to faith? How important is the answer to the why? Because let's be honest, there are things that happen in the world. There are things that happen in our lives that we want to throw up our hands and say, God, why is this happening? Why are you allowing this to occur? I mean, the most obvious place to go right now is what's happening in Ukraine. God, why is this taking place? Why are you not allowing it to stop? And I think although we may not say it out loud, perhaps we'd land at the place of thinking, if I could just understand the why, God, if you would just explain a little bit more of what's going on behind the scenes, then it would help me to believe more. It would even help to shape my behavior. But I'm not convinced that that is necessarily the case. Today, I want to have an honest conversation around what I would refer to as the tension of the why and how it plays an important, pivotal role in deepening our faith and actually shaping our behavior to follow in the ways of God. And as we have been for the last number of weeks, we're going to turn back to the story of Daniel. Now, if you've not been with us, if you're just kind of hanging out, out with us for the very first time, Daniel's story is told in the Old Testament. And if anyone would have had questions for God around the why are you allowing this to happen, I'm pretty sure Daniel would be a pretty good candidate for that. I mean, he is someone who essentially lived his entire life in exile. When another nation came and destroyed the city Jerusalem, ransacked the temple, and then took he and many others off to live in Babylon, wanting to remove their Jewish identity and their trust and belief in God. And there must have been more than one occasion where Daniel would ask why. But what's interesting about Daniel 
is you begin to see a portrait of a person who remains steadfast, who remains completely faithful to God, even in the midst of the difficulties, and even in the moments where he would have had the tension of the why. Why, God, are you allowing this, this to happen to your people? So I want to jump into the conclusion of Daniel's story. It's the final three chapters of the book, and it's at a time where Daniel is near the end of his life. He is in his 80s, and he's probably reflecting upon life. And we see this rather intimate encounter that he has with God all around the question of why. And my hope is that as we look at the story of Daniel, we, we will glean something for us as well to help us in those moments where we wrestle with the question of why, that it will enable us to grow and not hinder our faith. So let's turn to Daniel chapter 10, beginning with verse 1, and, and kind of set the tone. We're told that in the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three whole weeks. All that time, I had eaten no rich food. No meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. And so it's, it's right here we see that Daniel, as has happened in the past, is given yet another vision. And this vision completely floors him. Like we actually learn later on that Daniel actually passes out because the vision is so intense. It, it's a vision that, that tells him of, of future wars and hardships. I mean, this is more than just a bad dream. This is completely wrecking Daniel. And let's be honest, Daniel is no lightweight. He has dealt with difficulties. He has interpreted incredibly hard visions and dreams. And so for this to kind of floor Daniel, it must be significant. We're told that he begins to, to mourn for a period of three weeks. And, and I love the specifics of it. I mean, we're told he doesn't let any rich food touch his lips. And so that's like meat. That's like wine. I could probably throw dessert in there. But, but then we're told a part of his mourning is no fragrant lotions. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe dry skin is a sign of, of grief in life. A bit of an aside. Don't worry about that. But, but here we see Daniel is struggling, is struggling with what is happening. He's received this vision from God. And then as you continue to read, you, you see that an angelic being, a heavenly being, comes to Daniel, sent by God, to begin to explain the vision. Now, this is the rest of chapter 10 and 11, and if you want to go there later, I encourage you to do so. There's some incredible imagery and there's more details. We're, we're not going to fully get into it right away. But essentially, here's the recap. The vision that is given to Daniel is particularly the same visions and messages that God, throughout this book, has been giving to Daniel. The vision is this, that kingdoms will rise 
and wicked rulers that are actually described as beasts will exalt themselves, will redefine good and evil, will be incredibly violent to others, and will give absolutely no thought of God. I mean, this is a reality that Daniel has already lived. But in the giving of this new vision, there must have been this moment for Daniel of like, enough, like, are you kidding? Like, I, I thought this was coming to an end. God, we, we, we've been following you and reminding that you are the one in control, but you're telling us now that there's going to be more beasts, there's going to be more violence, there's going to be more evil? You can see why Daniel was so overcome with grief. But it's here we're again introduced to one of the key themes of Daniel, of how he remains faithful even in the midst of the struggle. What we see in the story of Daniel is this vision ultimately becomes a reality. I mean, these, these very chapters start to explain again and point us towards the relevancy of the Bible. I mean, this was a vision that was given almost 2,500 years ago. And as you look at it today, you can see how that has been fulfilled over and over and over again. How there have been kingdoms rise led by beasts who have brought about evil, who have, who have redefined violence and have had no thought of God. I mean, let's be honest. This cuts a little bit too close to the cloth today. As we see what is happening in Ukraine, we, we see the violence, we see the evil, we, we, we see the absolute no thought of others. And as followers of Jesus, we're probably at a place of asking, why? God, why are you allowing this? And so how? How do we respond? How do we, like Daniel in his time, remain faithful and continue to trust in God even in the midst of such violence and difficulty in this world? Put another way, where do we find hope? Maybe, maybe we're tempted to think if God would just explain why, then, then we'd have greater hope. When you turn to chapter 12, you begin to see this, I would say, intimate dialogue between Daniel and the heavenly host, the one that God sends to him. In Daniel 12, verse 1, this is God's response to Daniel. It says, At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, will arise. Then there'll be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those bodies will lie dead and buried, will rise up, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like stars forever. 
a few things that, that God is speaking into Daniel's life. The first thing is that there will be times of still great anguish. But, but, and this is a big but, God is in control. To, to put it another way, it's like God is taking notes and he says something very, very important. That God knows who are his. The very words are, the people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up to everlasting life. Everlasting life. I've said this in in, in the weeks prior, but Daniel is in many ways two portraits. It's the first portrait of how we remain faithful to God in the midst of struggles. But it's also a portrait that is pointing to something greater yet to come that will ultimately be seen in Jesus. I mean, again, look at that imagery that is given. Those whose names are written in the book will rise up to everlasting life. It's one of the most important cornerstones that as followers of Jesus, we hold onto. The resurrection. The idea that death, the the ultimate beast, if you're going to put it that way, does not have the final say. That in Jesus, his life, his death, But in his resurrection, Jesus defeats the beast. Jesus defeats death. And this is why as followers of Jesus, the resurrection is not a take it or leave it. It is the foundation of what we believe. That that, that Easter is not just yet another long weekend. It is the weekend where we celebrate the reality of the hope that we ultimately have. And it's here that God is giving to Daniel the hope that yes, there's going to be difficult times, but God is saying, I am in control. Will you trust in me? But it doesn't end there. You see, Daniel, and I love this about the Bible, as faithful as he is, is still wrestling with the tension of the why. And in this encounter, we start to see how asking the why becomes a pivotal crossroad for us to determine if your belief will actually shape your behavior. In verse eight, this is Daniel's response. After God has told him, listen, listen, I'm I'm writing names down. Those who die will rise again. Daniel says, I heard what you said. But I didn't understand what he meant. So I asked, how will all this finally end, my Lord? I love that phrase of Daniel. I heard, but I don't understand. For me, that is the question of the why. Daniel's saying, God, if... If you could just tell me when this all will end, if you can be more specific, if you can help me understand, 
it will help me believe. Can't you relate to that? That you may hear the promises of God. You may hear of the hope that we have in Jesus, but you still don't understand why certain things happen in this world or why God allows certain things to happen in your life. And maybe if, like Daniel, if, if God would just tell us the answer to the why, then, then we'd have even greater faith. But listen to God's response to the question of the why. I mean, Daniel has been faithful his entire life and asking to help him understand, but this is what God says to him. Go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed and refined by these trials, but the wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. And then in verse 12, there's something so significant said. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end. As you go, go your way until the end. You will rest. And then at the end of days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. I don't know about you, but I read that and I'm like, God doesn't even answer Daniel's question. Daniel asked why. Daniel said, help me understand. And God doesn't go there. And it's not just the case of Daniel. You start to read throughout the Bible, and one of the greatest frustrations that I have is so often in the moment of asking God why, God doesn't respond to that question. Instead, he responds with the how. How we can remain faithful even when we may not fully understand in verse 12, he says to Daniel, Blessed are those who wait and remain. It's a message that is given, that there is blessing in waiting. Waiting is, for me, uh, another description of trust. That, that when you wait for someone, you are trusting in them, that you are believing the best of them. You see, I think at times we may think that if we would simply know the why, then it would lead to greater faith. But I'm not convinced of that. But I do know this. If we are able to respond to the how, how we can respond to the difficulties, how we can respond to the struggles, how we can respond to the uncertainties by waiting upon God. That will produce even greater faith. Back to the image of a parent and a child 
one of the greatest moments of intimacy that speaks to the depth of relationship is when a child trusts and obeys the parent, even when they don't understand, even when they wonder why. And they do it because they trust, because they love, because they believe in the parent. How much more so is this true of us? That one of the greatest steps of faith is not when we understand, not when we agree, but when we sit at the tension of the why and still choose to believe, still choose to wait and trust upon God. It's why Jesus, very early on in his ministry, says, listen, those of you who hear these words of mine and put them into practice, don't just simply believe, behave, imitate me, trust in me. They, they are the wise one because they've built their lives upon a solid foundation. They've built their lives upon me. I know we haven't answered the why. And in part, it's because we may never know the answer this side of eternity. The question is, will you continue to believe? Will you continue to trust? Will you continue to wait, even at the crossroads of the why, so that you step towards Jesus and not away from him. This series began with the question of what are you standing upon? What is the basis of your life? I believe it's only when Jesus becomes our rock, our foundation, are we able to step through the tension of the why, and even though we may not understand, we continue to believe. So this week, in whatever you are facing, in whatever you are wrestling with, you have a choice. Will you step towards Jesus or away from him? But as he has promised us, we are truly blessed when we choose to wait upon him. Let me pray for us today. And so, Lord Jesus, as we reflect upon this reality of Daniel, of how he was able to remain faithful even in the midst of struggles, even in the midst of not understanding, we realize it's because his choice to wait upon you. And so I pray for us. I pray for those that are watching that perhaps are, are struggling with circumstances in their own life or just struggling with trying to make sense of what is happening in this world. May we continue to trust in you, believe in you, by waiting upon you. For we ask it, Jesus, in your name. 
Amen. And so now may the blessing and love of God the Father Almighty, the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the peace and the comfort of the Holy Spirit not only be with you, but enable you to wait upon Jesus in the midst of all of life. For we ask all these things in his name. Amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris. Our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispres.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.